Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Thursday, March 19, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. He is social distancing at home. I'm social distancing at home under normal circumstances. Norlander would be at a first-round site right now covering the NCAA tournament, and I'd be talking about it on television from CBS Broadcast Center in New York City. As it is, we're both at home. No games, no tournament. Norlander, update us on your social distancing. How's that going? It's going all right. Getting a little break here from doing some educational stuff with my kids, doing some educational videos, memory games, math, learning how to write. That's for my four-year-old. My one-year-old, he's just he's all about watching the videos and stuff. But I will say, GP, that we're obviously recording this on Thursday, and I know that we do have a significant portion of our listening audience who – uh, was hoping that we would have something here on a Thursday, what would have been the first day of the tournament. And I got up, I did an HQ hit um, early in the morning, and then I was like, yeah, this is this is a little bit of a bummer of a day. Once we got to about noon, yeah, I would have been in Albany, and who knows what the matchups would have been, but I presume that I would have probably seen uh, either Seton Hall or Villanova, uh, who knows what other uh, teams region, you know, regional to the area would have been there. And so, yeah, this is... Definitely a little bit of a bummer, but I've enjoyed, I have enjoyed uh, some of the stuff that's been put out on Twitter, just, you know, linking back to some other stuff, games and all that. But uh, I think just, I think just this particular day for me, even more than Selection Sunday, I love Selection Sunday, Paris. I love, love, love it. I love the buildup. You go all day and then six o'clock, you finally get rewarded. But I think for most of the country, it's... The Monday through Wednesday where you think about your brackets, you overdo it. Maybe you're the type of person that fills out 17 brackets. If so, I'm not inviting you to my party. One bracket to rule them all. But this Thursday and then really into Friday, uh, I think this is the one where it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, everyone knows it wasn't coming, but the day basketball, four games on at once across the country. So I uh, just, you know, I wanted to commemorate what uh, what could not be here at the start of the podcast. Rather than be in New York City watching and talking about the NCAA tournament, I am at home dealing with a flooded backyard. Are you kidding? My backyard because of the rain. Flooded. You want to know why? It's not because of he- not because of heavy rain. Not because of heavy rain. Your your pool failed you. Because my kids left. No, no, no. Pool's fine. <laughs> kids left the water hose on all <laughs> night long. All night long. So the way our schedule's been working is my wife gets up goes to her store that she owns so that um, you know she can fulfill online orders and there's still like tons of inventory coming in that she's having to get into the system and there's just stuff to do at her store. So she's getting up and going there and staying there for most of the day until um, I need to go to radio. She comes home and then uh, she takes over here at the house and I go do a radio show for two hours and then I come home and and then we just have a family time at, at night. And so um, yesterday I kept the kids in the house all day with me, my little dudes, and we had a good time. She got home and I took off the radio. When I got home, everybody was outside, sort of just playing around, running around. And so this was all happening in the front yard. So I parked the car, get out of the car. We hang out outside for a little while. And then we ultimately all come inside and we start our night. I had to do a Facebook watch video for CBS Sports Network, so that had me tied up for a little bit, but we had dinner, normal night under these circumstances. Everybody goes to bed at some point, wake up this morning, and I walk into the backyard, and it's just inches of water, and I 
figure out what it is. The water hose has been running since 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon. My wife had gotten the kids water balloons so that they could play in the backyard with water balloons. And I guess she just like sit them in the backyard with water balloons and then and then let them, you know, throw them at each other and never check to see if the water was turned off. So like water ran all night long. The yard just like big puddles everywhere. And would you believe this? When I when I asked when she claims it's not her fault. How is it not <laughs> her fault, Orlander? How's it not her fault? I can't I can't litigate this. I'm not gonna arbitrate this. Alright? I'm gonna let that be between you and your wife. But <laughs> that's so rough. Oh boy. So you I, uh, you I, need I some said, social distancing on the home front, I guess. I said, Kelly, uh the backyard is flooded. The water hose has been running all night long since yesterday. She was like, Well, I guess Oliver left it on. I'm like, Well, I'm assuming Oliver left it on, sure. But you didn't check to make sure they turned it. Did you know they turned it on? Well, yes. I told you we, we got water balloons. Right. So you knew they turned it on. Co- correct. You didn't check to see if they turned it off. Well, like, you need to talk to Oliver about that. I need to talk to the six-year-old. <laughs> What's he going to tell me? He's going to blame it. Here's the way that conversation is going to go. He's going to blame it on the three-year-old. The three-year-old is going to not even uh, have anything to do with it, and we get nowhere. So that's how social distancing is happening around here. It sounds like there might yard. be. It sounds you might like you might go from social distancing to sexual distancing. I don't know. It sounds like you might have some issues here. Dude, Jeez. Dude, I, listen, I love I love my wife to pieces. I think she loves me. We can irritate each other <laughs> with the just l- the smallest of things. Like I completely understand. I completely understand if you forgot <laughs> to check that they turned the water off. Like, I get that. People forget things all the time. What I can't accept is when you pretend it's not your responsibility to check. Like, 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 what do you want me to do? Like, if you forgot, you forgot. But like, we, we, we can, we should be able to agree that when I'm at home, everything that happens here is my responsibility. And when you're at home, everything that happens is your responsibility. If you forget, I understand. But you can't act like it's not your responsibility to make sure the water's turned off in the backyard. That's nonsense. That's, uh... It's it's not it's not good. So is that why when I texted you earlier as we were trying to figure out when we were going to get this pod done, I was like, all right, here's, you know, here's what my my wife's got to work from home. She's got stuff to do. So here's my window, and you go, I'm free at three. <laughs> that's basically why. <laughs> well, th- that's part of it. Um, honestly, one of the local television affiliates, the ABC affiliate, is working on a story. Everybody's, you know. Everybody's scrambling for stories, right? And so they're working on a story about people in sports who are now home who otherwise wouldn't be home. Basically, being a stay-at-home dad now when under normal circumstances you wouldn't even be here right now. And so they reached out to me and then Rob Fisher, who is the sideline reporter for the local Grizzlies broadcast. I mean, sideline reporter for an NBA team, is that's 41 road trips yeah. A year, right? 41 road games at the very least. He's gone all the time, and suddenly he's home just like I'm home. So uh, we had a, a, a local, uh, the ABC affiliate, 
in our home for a couple of hours today, just like hanging out oh, and that's seeing good. what it's like. Did to, they get did they get um, B roll of you know, strolling for, for through your backyard who, and bare feet, GP, as they're doing this? That you know, B roll the, uh, the the industry term. So they have you on camera talking about this, but it's but it's and when he's at home and it's you just wandering through the pond in your backyard, is this going to be part of it? I got to see this package. I kept him out of the backyard. I was uh, I, I said okay. Where do you got? What are you guys looking for? Uh, and I said, let's stay in the dining room for the most part, because <laughs> uh, that's the other thing about having kids at home nonstop all day long. Like they just wreck things. Like uh, their toy disaster. room right there. Oh uh, yes, dude. They have a toy room upstairs. We 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 put their toy room. It is upstairs, the furthest room. Like you, the only reason you would be in, the only reason you'd be at that end of the hall is always if you were going to that room. And it's just basically so I can I can close the door and forget that it's there, right? But somehow that toy room is now trickled into the hallway, so there's toys everywhere. Um, their bedroom, I don't even know what happened. Like I walked in, and I, I guess my wife got them at some point, these Easter eggs that have candy in them. And so they have opened probably 100 East plastic Easter eggs in the candy and so if you walk in their room, it's cleaned up now, but as of this morning, you have 100 Easter eggs broken in half. So that's 200 pieces of Easter eggs and every candy wrapper, because God forbid they actually throw it in the garbage. Just that, that, That's what their floor is covered in in their bedroom. Just Easter eggs and candy wrappers. It's just, the whole thing's ridiculous. So I was like, listen, this is, this um, we got to stay out of their room. We got to stay out of our backyard. Backyard's flooded. We can't go back there with the cameras. Uh, their room's a mess. We're not going in there. So I think we, we shot most of it in the dining room. And then we came upstairs to our, our, uh, like my office that is connected to like a, I, I, I we call it a poker room because it's got a poker table in it, but we don't really play poker. It's just a poker table sitting there. I don't play cards anymore. Uh, but we have the Nintendo switch up here and all the, this is where we hang out. And so we, they, they shot us playing some, they shot us, um, me, pounding my children in Mario Kart on the Nintendo Switch. And so that'll be a package on local news, I guess, at some point today. Look, so that's how I've spent my, my, my early afternoon. Looking forward to that. We'll look for it online. I hope a link is provided at some point. And uh, moral of the story, if you even want to call it that, is you are uh, particularly desperate and would have loved if we could have had some first-round NCAA tournament action in St. Louis, in Albany, what were the other sites there? There were four that were there today, but we will not be uh, we will not be getting that regardless. So <laughs> the fact that the juxtaposition, by the way, GP, of you, you know, if if, if the world was normal and could have been with that versus waking up, you know, just going through the pond in your backyard as the water had run was just unbelievable. St. Louis, Tampa, Albany, and Spokane would have been your Thursday cities hosting games, by the way. Like, if if I was here with the kids all day long and I put a pizza in the oven and just burned it to death for five hours... We can agree that would be my responsibility, right? Like, you got to make sure the oven's turned off when you're done using the oven. Yes. Similarly, you got to make sure the water hose is turned off when you're done using the water hose. I think it's time people around this house started accepting responsibility for their actions or their inactions. My backyard's underwater. How much do you think that costs, by the way? Is that hundreds of dollars I spent last night? I, that's a good question. I don't think I don't think hundreds, but I probably I'm betting that's continuously running water for at least 12 hours 
I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking at least 75 bucks worth of water. Yeah, probably. See, that's the other thing with this pandemic. It's just it's taking money right out of my pocket, Norlander, because we can't remember to turn the water hose off. What a mess. That's a mess. All right, what do we want to get to here, college hoops-wise, for those that are craving a little bit something to fulfill the obvious void with, uh, with no tournament, no games? Well, the biggest news development this week is that the AP poll, the final AP poll, uh, published. Uh, Kansas was number one. And that led to some people arguing that Kansas should be called the 2020 national champion. I obviously disagree. I wrote a column about it. We'll get into that next. But first, a few words about Coors Light. Do you ever feel like you're always on, just never relaxing? I know I do, and that's no way to live. It's important to turn off every once in a while on Coors Light. It's perfect for that. It's Coors Light, mountain cold refreshment, made to chill. There's only one beer literally made to chill. It's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans, they even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. As the summer months draw closer, you're going to want cold refreshments. Coors Light is perfect for that. It's brewed with a three-step cold process, cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Born in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado in 1978, Coors Light is refreshing, crisp, and only 102 calories. That's why Coors Light is the beer I choose. When I need a moment to chill, you should choose it too. So when you want to reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. That's Coors Light, Mountain Cold Refreshment, just 102 calories. And always remember to celebrate responsibly. That's Coors Light, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. So the final AP poll was published on Wednesday. Kansas was number one, got 63 of a possible 65 first-place votes. Dayton also got a first-place vote. Gonzaga also got a first-place vote. But Kansas was a top 97% of the AP ballots. And, and it makes sense. They finished with more Quadrant 1 victories than anybody else in the country, uh, 12. They had more wins inside the first two quadrants, actually four more, than everybody else in the country. They finished with 20. They were number one at Ken Palm, Sagarin, BPI, KPI, Torvik. The three losses uh, came to Duke, Baylor, and Villanova. Those three teams finished in the top 11 of the AP poll. So Kansas never took a loss to anybody who finished outside of the top 11 in the AP poll. Literally nobody else in the country finished the regular season with zero losses to teams that finished the season unranked nobody kansas didn't lose to anybody outside of the top 11 so if you want to call kansas the best team in the country um you should i probably will too in fact i definitely will kansas was the best team in the country this season but some people uh, specifically our, our buddy myra metcalf from espn uh went uh, a little bit further and said kansas should be called the 2020 national champion norlander i don't know that you've weighed in on this controversy to the extent that it's a controversy it's not. what do you think what do you think of kansas being called the 2020 national champion i saw i believe i saw Stu mandel uh who helps run the ship for the athletic on the college football side and has done plenty of college basketball coverage over the years i think he might have mused this as well just in terms of this where it was like hey college basketball you know college football went decades doing this kind of thing just naming a national champion based off the polls. This is a weird, uh, hopefully one-time-only kind of thing. Why not do it? Well, my answer to that is college football doing it that way for 80 years was one of the dumbest things ever. And so college basketball, no, should not do this in any sort of official capacity. I'm way more in on an official bracket than I would be officially naming 
and, I, and I'm emphatic about this, no, you cannot name Kansas the national champion, even though uh, irrefutably the Jayhawks rank and rate as the best, most dominant, most efficient, most well-rounded team in college basketball. That's inarguable at this point. Uh, Other teams had really great seasons. Dayton was the only one not to lose a game in regulation, and one of the two it lost, of course. The epic against Kansas out in Maui. Gonzaga had an incredible offense, one of the best out there. But on the whole, Kansas was definitely the best team. Um, The fact that college football went so long without having any sort of official way of of, uh, of of determining it on the field and then and then even the BCS era was rife with its own issues and voting itself there playing into perhaps way too much of the formula that determined just only two teams playing one game to determine the national champion uh, one of the beautiful if not flawed but undeniably entertaining things about college basketball is yeah the tournament is not the best way to uh, truly find out uh, the best team in the sport no but I'm, I've never uh, had an issue with that uh, you know what sometimes you do get the the right champion like Virginia in my opinion last season was the right champion Duke was a great team uh, but Virginia had an epic had an epic defense and I thought it was all around uh, a terrific team and so yeah like in that instance yes there have been other times a couple of UConn teams maybe where it's been that's not the best team but it's the champion so that's the way college basketball has done it the one and done uh, format through having to win six games or if you come from the first four needing to win seven games which VCU flirted with back you know nine years ago if you can believe that um, yeah yeah uh, I love the way college basketball has done it. It's unique to its to itself. There is no postseason format like it. It's not perfect, but it is the best to me. Um, and so with absence of that, uh, no, Kansas, I know you wrote a column on it, so I'm going to let I'm going to cede the floor back to you here, GP, but you cannot. <laughs> You can't, you can't do this. Uh, they, they'll, they'll officially finish the season number one in every single metric, every single ranking. They'll be regarded as the best team in 2019-20, but they're not going to be awarded any kind of national championship. And part of the reason why this is also a discussion is I believe I wasn't on the Bill Self conference call, but he had one with the media two days ago, and I believe he was asked if he would be okay with this, and he said with some sort of asterisk situation, he would be okay with it. And so I think that's also part of why we are here talking about it now. Yeah, I will give Bill credit. Like, he acknowledged – I mean, first and foremost, he said, hey, sounds great to me. You know, name a champion off of the polls. Like, because, like, <laughs> if somebody's willing to give you a national championship, why wouldn't you take it, right? Yeah. But he also, um, without poker prodding – acknowledge like it would be an there'd be a huge asterisk next to it and i don't even think it's gonna happen like he sort of nipped it in the butt like this is this is a fun thing to talk about if you want to talk about it but like nobody's gonna call it we're not gonna be the national champion so like let's just forget about it so it wasn't even like bill was pushing for this like he works at central florida or something he just sort or of in, said, or hey, in you know, florida. what it is yeah I was going to say, we're in Florida. Florida State Senate tried to, or I guess it technically has named, yeah, I mean, that whole, just nonsense. Anyway, continue along. Yeah. So, like, I thought that would be the end of it, but then I just saw it floating around on social media uh, on Wednesday after the AP poll was published, and people were actually arguing back and forth, and you know, I, I mentioned earlier, like, you know, local television crews are scrambling for, for content, particularly sports content. So are we! You know, like maybe that's why we talked about my backyard for 10 minutes earlier. Right. <laughs> Everybody's scrambling. So I said, uh, OK, well, this is, you know, our, our, our wonderful producer, one of our producers at CBS Sports um, Network, Amy Salmonson, 
um, reached out to me yesterday or a couple days ago, and she was like, "Hey, do you have it? You know, a, a place at your home to do these Facebook watch videos that we've been doing from studio? Because we still need that content." But nobody is inside the CBS Broadcast Center. I said, well, I, I guess I can use the same space I use for CBS Sports HQ. I can use it to do a Facebook watch video. And uh, I said, she's like, do you have any ideas like what you could do? I said, I could talk about this Kansas thing. She said, okay, great. And then it was like, well, if I'm going to be writing it to talk about it, I might as well turn it into a column as well and just get a whole bunch of work done in one day. So I decided to write the column about it. And the point I made about college football is the same point you made. Like the fact that college football settled championships by vote from 1936 to 1994 uh, doesn't mean that college basketball should do the same thing now. It just means that college football was stupid from 1936 to 1994 and still is to some degree given that we only have a 14 playoff when we you know need at least eight and I prefer 16 um, if you left it up, up to me and the other thing was just sort of baffling to me that, that serious people would make this argument is that serious people won't make this argument about the NBA or or the NHL or Major League Soccer or any other sport. Like if we never restart this 2019-20 NBA season, mm -hmm. no serious person is going to suggest we get 65 NBA riders together and we vote who's who should be the world champion in 2020. Is it the Lakers? Is it the Clippers? Is it the Bucks? Is it the Celtics? Like that won't even be a topic of conversation. So why people wanted to make it make it into something as it relates to college basketball, it's just confusing to me. Like, it's been established for a while in this sport. Um, there's one way to become a champion, win the NCAA tournament. Um, we settle things on the court in that bracket. 68 schools. If you start in the first four, you got to win seven games. Otherwise, you got to win six. That's how you get called a champion. And if we don't get to have a champion in 2020, and we're not going to, it's unfortunate, but it's not the end of the world. And that doesn't mean we need to create a new way to do it when the way that we do it um you know it, it has been established for a long long time yeah you say um 1930 i think you i think you were just picking out years but the, the color i, I want to say 99 or 98 right bcs started in 98 was it 94 i thought it was 98 like you actually yeah <laughs> i mean you have like it was so absurd at certain points that you would have games where teams would play in college football, and then after the outcome of those games, it would be determined by nature of the AP vote, UPI, a service that doesn't even exist anymore. Uh, amid you know, you got the Helms Championships, and you would have multiple national champions in certain years because schools could just claim it because the votes just came out that way. It's it's always been bizarre. That's how you got like Colorado and Georgia Tech. Both split the 1990 national championship. The same thing happened in college football in 91 when it was Miami and Washington. There were multiple years where this happened, and there's just no – There's just God bless college football. I do enjoy it, but, yes, it was just uh, – yeah, there was no, it was never going to happen like this in college basketball, nor should it. Uh, by the way, just real quick since you mentioned it, uh, for posterity, KU easily won – Gonzaga had more uh, – excuse me, GP. Dayton had more first-place votes than Gonzaga. Is that correct? Uh, in the AP poll? Yes. 
Well, no. Kansas got 63. Dayton got one. Gonzaga got one. Okay, they each got one. So Gonzaga finished two in the AP, Dayton three, and then to round out the top ten, FSU was four, Baylor five, San Diego State six, Creighton seven, Kentucky eight, Michigan State nine, and then Villanova ten. Duke finishes at 11. Uh, this is just a, a general curiosity to me. I wonder if the... Uh, if the 07 Duke team that got upset as a six seed by 11 seed VCU, someone can look this up for me after the fact and, and let me know if you so choose on Twitter. I wonder if that's the last time Duke finished a season outside the top 10 in the AP poll. Key to note, the AP poll always publishes its last edition before the start of the NCAA tournament. There is not an end of season post NCAA tournament poll. Why that is, I have no idea. It would seem that you would want to have that. But because of that, I'm wondering if Duke's actually always been top 10 since then. And then almost famous to, uh, to pull from our friend Seth Davis, Stephen F. Austin and East Tennessee State were 26th and 27th. Neither of those teams, they came, they came up shy, uh, finishing inside the top 25 because Butler, West Virginia, and Iowa fleshed out the rest of the rankings there. So an official end in terms of that regard. We talked about our postseason awards earlier in the week on the podcast the ap is one of the big ones that recognizes obviously all americans it's a it's a biggie uh those are due to be announced along with the player year coach of the year next week and i'll be interested to see if it winds up being dayton and obi toppin or if the ap and usbwa wind up picking a different coach and i think at this point it's either luca garza maybe you Azabuki, but it feels like only uh garza is, is competing with Toppin. and we might get a situation that's not common where you have players split National Player of the Year among the major outlets, because you had that once upon a time with Reddick and Morrison. You had it with Buddy Heal, Denzel Valentine. But it's it's usually like a once every seven to eight years kind of thing. We may, in fact, get that again this year. I will say I, I saw Basketball Times earlier announced its National Player of the Year, Luca Garza. Garza. And so did Sporting News with Corsi. That was Luca Garza as well. But I got to figure Toppin will get some of them. And so we will have a year in which we have a split. I don't know how often, if ever, we've. I, I would. It's pro- Maybe it's happened once, GP. But the, the, the there are still considered six major ones. Let's see if I can pull them off the top of my head Sporting News, AP, um, USBWA, Wooden, um, Nace, Wooden Naismith. And then I'm missing one other one. I can't remember what the other one is. It might be the coaches. I don't know. But there's six major player of the year awards. And I don't know if there's ever been three guys. There's been a couple times where there's been there's been two. And this is going to be another year like that. And I got the odds from Bet Online to win the 2020 Naismith Trophy. Mm-hmm. And it has Luca Garza and Obi Toppin as co-favorites at 5-4. to four. Followed by Miles Powell at seven to one, Yadoka Azabuki at eight to one, Peyton Pritchard at ten to one. So at least uh, according to their odds, it's uh it's neck and neck, Garza and Toppin. Um, I, I thought it was pretty clearly Obi Toppin by the end, but but apparently not everybody sees it that way. No, because uh, and I was right with that. Naismith, AP, Wooden. Oscar Robertson is USBWA, NABC, and Sporting News are the six traditional big ones. CBS Sports needs to be in there. There should be seven, but whatever. I digress. Um, Garza, by the end of his uh, season there, had put up numbers that were rare air. Now, to me, uh, I think we're on the same page, GP, with this. Um, Iowa's removal from the one, two, three seed conversation, whereas Udoka and Obi Toppin being in the thick of it in what was a fairly wide open race, 
is what removed it from me. But Garza averaged 23.9 points, 9.8 rebounds. To me, he wasn't a poor defender, just wasn't as good as Toppin and certainly not nearly as good as Azubuki. Um, uh, he was, but, you know, he not that he was inadequate, because he wasn't. He was good. He averaged 1.8 blocks. But I think in totality, when you looked at his points and his rebounds, he was putting up numbers. And trust me, Iowa fans have been all over us with this, um, or at least me. But that had rarely been matched from a Big Ten player, I think, or in terms of nationally in general. Uh, our buddy Jeff Borzello at ESPN.com gave his National Player of the Year to Luca Garza as well. But and he's obviously like he was a no-brainer first-team All-American. But I just I was more inclined to give it to a player that was projected on a one on the one line. That in this case it was Toppin. Right. Um, like Luca's numbers were off the charts, but you know, Iowa went one in three in its final four games, you know, dropped outside of the top 20 at Ken Palm, at which point I thought, you know, Obi Toppin completing an undefeated season in the Atlantic and Dayton never losing in regulation. I just thought that, that the edge at the end went to Obi Toppin, but uh, clearly it, it's debatable. The odds from Bet Online um, underline that both Garza and Toppin considered co favorites. At five to four. Real quick, I'll I'll give I want to give Garza his proper due here. So this is from Borzello. He said Garza averaged more points than any Big Ten player since Sean Respert in ninety four ninety five, and more combined points and rebounds than anyone in an even longer stretch. So that is obviously significant. Um, what I'm not sure of with that is if Garza's average overall is the most of any Big Ten player, or if his scoring specifically in Big Ten play is more than any player in uh, in the Big Ten since since Respert. I'm inclined to believe it's the latter instead of the former. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway, back to Kansas. Yes. Um, I, I should clarify, uh, you said they were number one in all metrics. They finished second in the net behind Gonzaga. How about that? I did not realize that. Okay. Yeah, yeah they finished second. Then They were top two in everything. Uh, number one in most, but they were second in the net behind Gonzaga. Um, but either way, I don't care where they finish in the net. Ken Palm, AP poll coaches, Paul, uh, the year 2020 will have will not have a national champion. It's unfortunate, but the the world's not going to end. At least not because we don't have a national champion. It, it might end for other reasons, <laughs> apparently. But but it won't be because we don't have a college basketball national champion. You know, in 1994, we don't have a World Series champion. They played the season all the way through middle of August, and then the players went on strike, and we never had a World Series. We don't take a vote to figure out who should be the 1994 World Series champion. Uh, similarly, uh, we're not going to settle a national champion by by vote in college basketball. If you want to look back on 2020 and always um, you know, uh, label Kansas as the best team in the sport, most accomplished team in the sport in that season, that's a fair and accurate way to do it. Uh, but they will not be the national champion. Nobody will be the national champion. You want to get to the mailbag? First, I found an answer. I looked it up because I wanted to know. We have had one instance before, before we get to this mailbag, where there were three different players who received the national player of the year from the six different major uh, – we've actually had it twice. Okay, so the first time was 79-80. Mark Aguirre from? Paul. There we go. Daryl Griffith from? Uh, Syracuse? Oh, oh, come on. Daryl Griffith. Oh, Louisville, Louisville. There we go. And then this one's, 
Syracuse. The Syracuse. The legend. Syracuse legend Daryl Griffith. <laughs> who is uh, Dar- Daryl or Griffin connected to Syracuse? I don't know. Well, something triggered that in my head that I said Syracuse when it was Louisville. You got me. I don't know. It and then Michael Brooks from? Michael Brooks? Yeah, that's a toughie. Michael Brooks? Is, is he from Chester, South Carolina? He is not. I'll tell you where he's from right now. The NABC was the only one. Aguirre got two, uh, three, and Griffith got two, and Brooks got one. Michael Brooks played at LaSalle, and he is from Philly. He, he grew up in Philly. Uh, the late Michael Brooks, RIP, passed in 2016. And then the other year where we saw this was, how about this, 88-89. Danny Ferry from? Danny Ferry from Duke. There we go. Sean Elliott from? Sean Elliott. Mm. Sean Elliott go to college. Don't cheat. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where Sean Elliott went to college. As if Arizona fans didn't have enough reason to hate you already. <laughs> and then Stacy King from? Where did Stacy King go to college? Oh, boy. Oklahoma, my man. Um, those three split. Uh, that kind of stuff fascinates me. So if we do wind up having any sort of situation where Doak, Garza, and Toppin, those three guys uh, are handed out Player of the Year trophies by the six major ones, it will not be unprecedented. It's happened before. Okay. Let's mailbag it. Alan Griffin? Is that who I was thinking of? Alan Griffin I, yes, from but Syracuse? I, I, yes, but I wanted to keep going. That's who, That's who you were thinking of. Yes. Okay. I don't know why, okay. but yes. Um, in case you uh, weren't aware, um, I am not a historian. <laughs> so, that's what makes it I, fun. You could have asked me for five minutes to tell you where Michael Brooks went to college. And I would have sp- still been trying to figure out who is Michael Brooks if it's a real person. No idea. <laughs> no, that's why it's fun, though. I, I figured you might appreciate that. All right. Um, I've been touring around the. I know where Terry. I know where. I know where Terry Teagle went to college. Oh, well, that's all. This everybody knows where Terry Teagle went to college. By the way, it also happened in 0203 TJ Ford, David West, and Nick Collison. Looks like uh, NABC oh, likes to get th- those. Let me get those. Let me get those. Oh, you TJ got Ford, those. Texas. Yeah. Nick Collison, Kansas. Yeah. And who else? David West. Savior. Correct. And to me, David West was the best player in college basketball in 0203. So. Uh, uncommon, but actually truly not not overall that rare. All right, I've been looking around the Apple Pods reviews as of late. Some good questions in here. You picked them out, though. I don't know what you're going to toss me. There were some good ones in there, so what are we what are we rolling with here? First and foremost, we got a one-star review I, for uh, premarital sex. Amazing. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> Hold on. Can you, you read, it? read it? Hold on. Read it out loud. I think it's like a one-line thing. Read it out loud. Do you you know how weird you have to be to <laughs> to leave this review? Uh, here we go. Uh, premarital sex is a sin. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the headline. that's the, that's the entire <laughs> review, and it's one star. No one's no 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 no. This it's not. Is writes, that okay? Go ahead. This person writes. I feel that there should be no premarital sex. <laughs> People don't realize that it's not safe. You would rather jeopardize your life just for a few minutes of pleasure. First, get a blood test, both of you, just to make sure you don't have a life-threatening disease. When your test comes back and your blood tests are healthy, then you get married. Think about it and do it. I love you. That was sweet. You know, they ended it with I love you, but dude, I ain't got time to get a blood test when I'm leaving the bar <laughs> back in my good old days. Can you imagine me walking out of the bar? 
at the bar, <laughs> some girl, being like, um, all right, listen, we're going to go get a blood test real quick, and, get, and then we'll grab an Uber. And it just kills the whole happened. mood, doesn't it? It's never happened, yes. And first of all, back you're talking about back in your day going to get an Uber. Those things, that does not work. That's an anachronism, okay? Cannot happen. Well, I don't want to be the 43-year-old Mary guy talking about, like, you know, I want to make it very clear that was in another lifetime. I gotcha. I understand. All right. Mailbag, fire away. What do we got? Okay. No, we will not address questions about premarital sex. Not this week. Maybe next week. If you, in all seriousness, if you do have some questions about premarital sex, I'd be happy to answer them. If you want to, you know, leave them in a, uh, a five star review over at Apple Podcasts. You can ask whatever question you want to ask about premarital sex, and and we'll get to it on next <laughs> next week's mailbag section. What if we just turn this mailbag section into questions about premarital sex? Uh, what if? Yes. What if indeed? Don't don't dare me. I'm not. I'd have much, I'd have much more fun doing that. First question comes from P.D. Brooklyn. P.D. Brooklyn. And I only I only grabbed this one out of there because I've been asked this about 70,000 times over the past few days. Um, would CBS ever consider on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of the NCAA tournament uh, just airing old games from the past 10 years in these time slots? I'm Glad. And the the answer is obviously no because it's not what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But like, is that something you would have even been interested in? Like, you turned on TV today, and it's the best of the NCAA tournament, uh, classic games from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, previous NCAA tournaments. Whether it's whether it's ten years ago, thirty years ago, does not matter. One hundred percent, I would be interested in that. I also have received this question. I want to say almost hourly uh, throughout the past five days. Um, I think during the day, like as of now, like when the games are not playing, like and people are, I, I don't even, I we're podcasting. I've been doing stuff with my kids. I don't know what's been on CBS this afternoon. I don't know. Um, I, I think I saw, I, w- I had the White House briefing on shortly afternoon. So you have that. And then I don't know if it's regularly scheduled programming outside of games now, whatever. The point is there is definitely a huge desire uh, for this. I don't know if they're uh, going to be able to do that over the weekend. The CBS Broadcast Center, as it should come to no surprise, just like buildings across the country, is shut down. There are not people inside the building. So if you, in fact, uh, might need uh, people inside the building to help make that happen, it might impact whether it does or it doesn't. Last weekend, of course, we had uh, previous Big Ten tournament games that were aired uh, when there was no live sports uh, to supplement coverage there. I would, and I suspect a lot of people listening to this pod would, if you actually think it could be incredible if you would throw, like, uh, you know, this would be serious work. I understand that. But if you could even, like, manage to do, like, all right, we're going to condense it. Here's 20 minutes of of um, Middle Tennessee just romping Michigan State. And then here's 20 minutes of UMBC over Virginia. And then, oh, we're going to flash you all the way back for the Bryce Drew game uh, back in 98. And then we're going to give you Georgia State over Baylor. And then you get all, like, the first-round stuff on a Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday. It's some of the best second-round things. And as you go forward, if you could do that, yes, I would take that. I would definitely have it on. It would actually uh, – a little bit of um, – visual comfort food, if you will. I don't know what the plan is for the weekend, if they're going to do that or not. If it's on, I, I, if they air it, I, I, my, my television will have it on. I know that much. And we have heard from a lot of people, that, have, and you said like 70,000 people have asked you that question, GP. I've got it as well. I don't know what the plan is, um, but I would certainly watch it if it was. And I think people are just, again, for the same reasons people were hoping we would continue with some pod episodes. They're just trying to get anything to help fill the, the March Madness void that needs to be filled without the games in the tournament this year. 
Yeah, there are so many great, you know, classic first round games, second round games that I do think if you wanted to do it and it made sense to do it, you could really put some stuff on TV that would like we'd all be watching, watching it and tweeting about it and having a good time with it. Yes. Uh, obviously wouldn't be the same, but but I could I, it, I think it could be enjoyable um, a little bit like, you know, when uh, some of these 30 for 30s are on and it's taking us to a place back in time and then we're all watching it together. So we're all tweeting about our memories wow. of it or these things connected to it. Um, it, it you know, airing old NCAA tournament games would have, it, it's not the same as us just watching them by ourselves on YouTube. Like it, it yeah. everybody's got a television on and we're all watching them together, reliving them together. Um, I do think there would be an audience for that an audience significant enough to justify doing it. I don't know. I'll let smarter people than me who actually make those types of decisions yeah. that are work um determine that but uh clearly some people were interested in the possibility of it because uh, we got a lot of questions about it second question comes from jason wants to know what we think of the ncaa being quote unlikely to let seniors have another year of eligibility senior basketball players this question comes after um our friend john rostein tweeted yesterday that um, according to his sources the NCAA was is unlikely to give winter sport seniors an extra year of eligibility, and that got a lot of attention. And like so, you know, good, but that's still different than I think what everybody has been has been saying since this was floated as a possibility. Like it's always seemed unlikely for a variety of reasons. Uh, I think we talked about it on a previous podcast. Uh, I, if they decided to do it, I guess to answer Jason's question, if they decided to give them an extra year of eligibility, I would not object. But I, I also understand why you wouldn't do it. Um, it. It doesn't accomplish what it is so many people seem to think it accomplishes. Um, and it is very compli- complicated for a variety of, of reasons. Um, that that I, I, I've always thought it was unlikely, and I, I still believe that. And I think ultimately we will get an announcement at some point soon, maybe tonight, tomorrow, uh, early next week, where they, you know, it's done official – um, Cassius Winston's college basketball career is over. Marcus Howard's college basketball career is over. I think that's where we're headed. Yeah, I've talked to a number of coaches in recent days about this, and some of them are uh, like just generally open to it because I think they're still uh, it's they're so close to the event still, and having talked with their guys and uh, you know. So many of the players that just had their careers cut short, while many of them would be wanting and would move on for those that wanted a chance to return. Um, like I even got asked on CBS Sports HQ on Thursday morning about this topic, and the host Jenny Dell does a wonderful job, tossed out some players to me and said, what's the likelihood you think Cassius Winston would return? And Miles Powell, and she gave me a, a bunch of prominent seniors, and I was like, the one that actually like I could see returning maybe if the option was there is you're not a surefire draft pick, and why this is we can talk about later in the season when we're closer to whenever the NBA draft does happen. Who knows when that's going to be? But I'm like, if you're Marcus Howard, you you might have a chance to become the all-time leading scorer in NCAA history. Like, you're not a surefire draft pick, absolute legend at your school. That would be the one instance where I would love to see it, but it's not going to happen. Some coaches who I've talked to have been like, listen, it, it is a different situation because it's affecting everyone, but you have seniors who go down and they break uh, a wrist or they sprain something or they, they – they, you know, their season could end because of an injury in February or the beginning of March. Um, and no, that injury doesn't affect the entire sport, but this kind of thing 
is felt within college basketball at different levels, players you've never heard of because they could be playing for a mid-major or low-major team and they don't get their other chance. And so other coaches are like, this is not going to pass. It's, it is a tough circumstance, but life is life. And um, when they've played 95% of their season to give them an entire another year of eligibility, not to mention the scholarship burden that would come upon the schools with all of this, like it's not just men's basketball. You'd have to do it for all, all winter sports. That's why it's unlikely. I like the idea. I don't think it's an absolute impossibility but I don't expect it to pass. Right. Um, you know, you keep hearing people say, well, we don't want these seniors college careers to end this way. And like, I agree with that. You know, it sucks. But, um, you know, this is a point I point I made as soon as this was floated as a possibility. Like, I didn't like Kenyon Martin's college career ending the way it ended with a broken leg in the pyramid in downtown Memphis. Um, it probably cost Cincinnati a national championship, Bob Huggins, a national championship. It's unfortunate, but the, that's the way his college career ended. And seniors literally every year have their college careers ended prematurely because of injury. So just think of it along those lines. The entire senior class had their college careers ended prematurely by, by, by a virus. You know, it's not a torn ACL. It's not a broken ankle. Um, it's not shoulder surgery. It's a virus that canceled the season and ended all their careers prematurely. And if you allow them to come back, because I keep hearing, well, you know, you got to let them come back and have a shot at this. Well, they, none of them will be coming back to, or very few of them will be coming back to um, the same set of circumstances. So let's say seniors are allowed to, to play another year if they want. So Trey Landers at Dayton says, I'm coming back. You know, we could have won a national championship. Well, you're coming back to what? A team without Obi Toppin? Because he's leaving to go to the NBA. So it's not like you come back and get – you never get this again, even if you're allowed to come back and play an extra season. Uh, this is just a missed opportunity, very specific to, to this season. And then the impact that it would have on incoming freshmen, I think, is, is a real thing to consider as well. Like, I've made this point before. I Forgive me if I've made it on the podcast. But A.J. Hoggard, I believe is his name, top 75 player in the class of 2020. He's a point guard committed to – Michigan State. Now, I didn't sit in on those recruiting meetings, but I'm assuming at some point the Michigan State staff said, listen, Cassius Winston's our point guard. He's gone after this year, and then you're going to step in and have a shot to be our starter as a true freshman. Well, now Cassius Winston come back to school? You're buried on the bench? Like, what? Mm. Like, it's just – it's way more con- – those are just a few of the sure. reasons it's complicated. There's about a million more. So I, I, it's why I've always thought it was unlikely – um, and, and I assume we'll have confirmation that it's not happening at some point. So, all right. Last question. What do we got? Th- third question comes from Spencer and he asks a very simple question. Who is going to be number one on in the preseason top 25 and one or preseason AP poll coaches poll does not matter. I will say I've been working on this the past few days, like getting together rosters, who's leaving, who's coming back, you know, incoming freshmen. It's a process that, you know, it, it, I usually start working on it about right now every year, and I'll do two or three teams a day, right? And then by the time I get to the Final Four, I've, I've, I've got it mostly put together. That's at least what I've done the past couple of years. In years past, Norlander and I'd be scrambling on the Sunday before the National Championship game going through uh, rosters. I've tried to prep a little better, but I wasn't prepared to have it done right now. Uh, I don't think I'll publish that until – it is official that the seniors are not giving getting another year of eligibility. But do you right now, based on who you think's coming back, who you think's leaving, do you have a team you think 
like belongs in the conversation to be number one in the preseason. <sighs> well, I know Creighton because we mentioned it, but I haven't looked yet. And this is also obviously once it goes up, this is going to be an episode of the podcast. So don't worry if you are uh, wanting a little bit of that. We will. There's no doubt about it. We will. There's no reason not to spend the podcast episode talking about that. I'm also working on an NCAA tournament related fun little project for next week. I imagine we'll we'll mix it into the pod as well. Uh, but Parrish, I haven't done enough of a deep dive to like I haven't looked like I know the top class is coming in. Carolina, Duke, Kentucky. Um, I want to say there's a, I want to say there's a class in the top five that's not like an every year top ten class school, but I can't remember. Tennessee's recruiting class is up there pretty good. Yeah, that might be Tennessee's. Yeah, you might be right on the money with that. Um, so they would be in in the mix, and then there's another school. I'll have to converse with you offline about this, but there was another school that I think sets up to be pretty strong next season that's not like an immediately obvious team in terms of how good it would be. And, oh, by the way, like if Iowa brings back most of its team, then Iowa obviously has to be a preseason top ten as well. But I'm thinking of someone else. But, no, I haven't I haven't not looked uh, – I haven't done the research that you have done yet to know. I mean, do you okay, know what team you're going to pick yet? Do you want to, do you want to spoil that here? I, you I, do not, I, I do not know. Okay. I honestly don't know. Um, I will say there is a case to be made for Creighton, assuming everybody comes back, because everybody can come back. They can bring their entire team back, basically. Everybody who started a game for Creighton's basketball team this season is eligible to be on Creighton's basketball team uh, next season. So they're an obviously uh, an obvious candidate. And special shouts to Rob Anderson, who is the Creighton SID. He, um, for a few years now, has sent us a detailed breakdown of Creighton's roster, what is expected to return. Uh, it, it's just it, the, the sit-out transfers that they had that you might forget about that are going to be eligible next season. Um, that, that information is invaluable. It is so helpful, so helpful. I would encourage every SID, um, if you've got the time, the time and you really want to make sure people like me don't overlook your team, if you think you've got a top 25 caliber team coming back next season – um, that kind of email is is super helpful. It I, I don't think think I realized until I got that email that everybody on Creighton's team can basically come back. I knew they were bringing back just about. I, I knew that they were going to be good next year. I didn't know this good. So Creighton's a real candidate to to be preseason uh, number one. Um, Kentucky's recruiting class is a monster. You know, do they bring back Nick Richards? Mm. Who knows? But there's a lot of Kentucky's going to be in that conversation as well. I, I'll tell you this. Uh, Bet Online uh, has already posted um, the opening odds to win the 2021 NCAA tournament. Trivia time! I'll let you guess. There are co-favorites, two teams listed at nine to one to win the 2021 NCAA tournament. What are those two teams? I'm gonna say Kentucky and Duke because I have no reason to say any other teams. It's Gonzaga and Virginia. Virginia's uh, for sure a, a preseason top ten team, undeniably. Yes. Yeah, they got a they got a good class coming in, and how about the Zags? Okay, I love it, I love it. They bring back yeah. So right now, according to Bet Online, the co-favorites are Gonzaga, Virginia, followed by Kansas at ten to one, Kentucky at twelve to one, Michigan State at twelve to one, and then Creighton and Duke both at fourteen to one. All right, a lot of 
We'll see how rosters change in the next week or two. I mean, you're getting transfers by the day. That's another thing coaches have had concerns about. All these players have gone back home. They're surrounded by friends and family, or at least family. And then, uh, and so you're seeing a high, uh, I mean, I don't know how many guys are left on Wichita State's roster at this point. Um, so you are getting, uh, and then like DJ Carton transferred out of Ohio State on Thursday. Just a little bit of a headline there. He left the team midseason uh, citing mental health. So good for him and we wish him the best and we'll see where he lands. He is the most talented transfer on the market so far this season. Um, GP, I think we got to wrap it up here because my wife's got a conference call. She's got to scoot up to my office in about three minutes here but um but for those who are hoping for some hoop stuff you know, fix here on the open what would be the opening thursday of the tournament i hear you i'm gonna be missing not you know about midnight tonight i don't know what paris is gonna be doing at that point but i'll be wishing that we had some incredible like 13 versus four game going down to the final minute and a half because it's those late night tips that i think i'll miss the most on thursday friday that final evening window usually provides a lot of craziness and so we won't get it this year, but we got plenty of stuff on the site, by the way, real quick. CBSSports.com has a lot of just general tournament stuff. If you want to feed the fix, be sure to go there, and then I will have something for you next week that I've just started work on, so that's coming down the pike in a few days. I know one thing. I'll do it midnight tonight. Turn off the I'll make sure my backyard hose is turned off. I'll be doing that. I'll be my, my nightly walk to the backyard just to make sure all the water's shut off. Jesus Lord. Hey, if you're looking for uh, more podcasts in these uh, uncertain times, uh, the Pick 6 podcast is uh, updating daily. Obviously, lots of NFL news right now. So go check that out. Um, um, they got reactions and analysis of all the biggest moves. It's a daily podcast, sometimes more than once a day. So go join Will Brinson and the guys for the latest on the NFL. It's the Pick 6 podcast, available wherever you find podcasts including wherever you listen to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. Fatigue. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Please go subscribe to the Eye on College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rated favorably. Five stars. Nice comments. And we will talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. Chip Patterson from CBS Sports. If you're a diehard fan of college football, then you don't need me to remind you that this sport knows no offseason. And let's be honest, if you're a diehard fan of college football, I kind of expect you to already be subscribed to the Cover 3 podcast. But don't worry if you missed out on the lock fights, late night instant reactions, and emergency podcasts in 2019. There's still room for you to join us. Results on the field in the fall are the product of pieces that were set in place in the winter. So don't miss out on the moves, news, and headlines that will determine the 2020 National Championship. Download and subscribe to Cover 3 Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.